All right, welcome. I'm Chad Harrington here with Dave Clayton, and I'm publisher at Him Publications, and um, I'm also a volunteer teacher at my church, Harpeth Christian Church in Franklin, Tennessee, and an author. And Dave is, um, he's a pastor, he's an author, and he helps lead Onward Church Planting, as well as um, Awaken Nashville. So we just wanted to go ahead and jump in. And Dave, what we're going to do is, um, uh, for those who are listening and tuning in, what we're going to do is basically give you our background, our experience with resources with regard to prayer and fasting. And obviously, we're going to share with you guys about the resources that we've been a part of directly. But this is broader than that. It's it's really the end goal is how do we equip the people, your people in your church to pray and fast together um, and to respond to God's spirit? Um, that's the goal. And so we want to do about half of this will be Dave and I talking about some things that have been on our hearts um, and just to inspire you and to equip you. But we want to leave the second half for questions and answers. So let me go ahead and start with one of the things that you can do when this is over, and I'm gonna share my screen. And so Dave and I have worked together over the last few years with many, many more people to equip the churches in Nashville for prayer and fasting. And so we've created this page on himpublications.com, um, and it is called Awaken Prayer Resources. And there's a link in this webinar for you to access this directly. And it basically tells you everything you need to know about the primary resources that we've used. So Revival starts here, Jesus Next Door, and Love Your Neighbor Journal. And so we've used these and literally hundreds of churches, tens of thousands of Christians in Nashville have used these to pray and fast together. And what's really cool about this page is you can download a free sample of each of these books, and it really gives you a deep dive into each one of them, what they do. And, and how they can be used. And then the rest of this page tells you how they go together, um, how you can get bulk discounts for your church or your group of churches, 20 to 50% off with a membership. Um, and so the page basically gives you everything that you need to know for that. So wanted to give you a vision of, of something practical at the end of this that you can do, but I wanted to jump in and just ask Dave, um, you know, why did you want to join us on this webinar to share with people and, and to cast this vision for resources with regard to prayer and fasting. Yeah, Chad, man, thanks for having me on. It's such an honor to be with you all this afternoon, wherever you're joining from. Uh, you know, I'm excited or passionate about this conversation just because I think one of the things we've seen in our journey of ministry, um, not just across the city or across different regions, but what we've seen in our own church is that a lot of times people have a desire to step into something uh, you know, into some of the deeper waters with God, you know, whether that be with prayer and fasting or disciple making or some other um, aspect of life with Jesus. But a lot of times there's this interest, this longing, this desire to step into some of those deeper waters, but um, people don't always know how to actually step into it. And so I believe resources um, can, not always, but I think resources can play a really key role in helping close that gap between um, uh, what people desire uh, to step into and their ability to do that. And so uh, when you asked me to do this, man, I was, I was eager to jump on. Well, yeah. And it's been great working with Dave and his team um, at Awaken Nashville. And, um, you know, I just wanted to tell you sort of my heart behind this as publisher at Him Publications, you know, um, our goal in general is to help your church find the next right discipleship resource. 
And so, you know, that could be the resources we have, it might be others. Um, but really our goal is to just equip you to equip your people. And the truth is we need tools. I think the prayer and fasting in particular, as Dave and I have discovered, and Dave even more than me, uh, because he is a senior pastor, is people have great motives. They want to do this stuff. But it's like um, motives don't quite get you there all the way. You need the means. You know, Dallas Willard talks about vision, intention, and means. You know, we need the vision for this. We need to decide to do this. But then how do we actually accomplish this? And prayer and fasting just aren't always easy, especially fasting. And so tools, I think, can really help people. And the truth is we need a biblical understanding. It's not just like, here's a how-to. It's what is God's heart in this way? And there's just not necessarily a lot of teaching or um, um, really examples of people we know who have done this. So it's like, let's let's get resources. Let's bring them in. Um, and so I talked to you about Revival Starts here in Jesus Next Door. Dave, I just wanted to hear your heart. And I think it would be cool to share with people on this webinar what motivated you, you know, like what prompted you to write these two books? What was the situation in which you found yourself where you, you were like, I need to write some books? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I, I never thought or wanted to or had any desire to write books, even when you introduced, introduced me earlier and said I'm an author. I don't even think of myself that way. Um, that's, that's never been, um, you know, really a desire in any way. I, I'm a pragmatist through and through. And so, you know, this started with not a desire to write a book. It really just started with the desire to help people that I really love take some next steps in areas that I thought would not only bless them, but would really move forward our desire to make disciples here in Nashville and beyond. And so it, it goes back five years ago. We had, uh, my wife and I, we'd spent uh, some time working with global leaders um, uh, in some uh, really uh, amazing situations. And one of the things that we kind of brought back from our time with some of these global leaders was just the significance that prayer and fasting uh, plays in every disciple-making movement that you see uh, really throughout Christian history, but really what you see happening around the world right now. And so we were struck by that. And then we realized in our own context, that was an area that we had not really discipled our people very well in. And so, you know, Chad, you mentioned this a minute ago, but we came back and we had the vision now for prayer and discipleship. And we even had uh, this like deep sense of intention, hey, we're going to do this. And and our, our people, you know, we, we have a, a really wonderful church uh, here in the city of Nashville. Uh, the majority of our church is under the age of 30, you know, really young, uh, young church, especially at that time, who was really eager to step into this. But so uh, we did not prepare them well that first year on how do you actually do this? And so, you know, when you have people that are eager to do something and they make the decision to do it, but they get into it, they don't actually know what they're doing. Um, it can be really challenging. And so, when we came out of that, that first year, you know, uh, we had prayed and fasted uh, for a month together as a church. We thought, hey, we want to keep doing this, but how do we equip people for the long haul, not just to, to get through the discipline, but to actually meet God in it? And so uh, we started wrestling with how do we create some really practical resources? And, and that just happened, you know, some of those resources just happened to turn into books. And so, you know, uh, really our desire with Revival Starts Here, uh, the book on prayer and fasting, it, it started with me asking myself the question, hey, if I could sit down with each person in our church and in 45 minutes or less, tell them why I think this matters and how they could step into it, what would I say to them in the most practical, like non, um, you know, non 
um, academic language possible? How can I just speak to the heart and give some real practical steps? And so uh, that's, that's what turned into Revival Starts Here. And it was just that desire to, to help people do that. So Dave, I, you know, I love your pastor's heart about like, it's almost like, okay, I need to get this information to the people. How do I do that? You know what? They invented books for that. It's like, how do you get a lot of information to people? And so we did an audio book, we did the ebook, the print book, and it's been really helpful for so many people, not just in Nashville, but beyond Nashville, um, even around the world, you know, people have accessed these resources you know, how did these practical resources, right? Because it's not just a vision, it's not just inspiration, but it's like how to pray and fast together. So how do these resources uniquely help people in Nashville in 2019 and 2020? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, the idea of using a book. At first, I was really opposed to using a book because I know our people and our people tend to be really busy. They, They tend to to, to read short form things, you know, and not necessarily long form things. And so when we were wrestling with resources at first, we thought, man, should it just be videos or podcasts or um, some of those things? But we thought, what if we could put, put something in writing that was um, short enough, digestible enough, and yet also at the same time uh, robust enough to help them take some next steps. And so not just in the way that we wrote it, but in the way that we tried to design it, we wanted it to be really easy for people to, to sit down and follow along. Um, wherever they are in in their journey. And so, you know, over the last couple of years uh, within the Middle Tennessee area, we've had almost 100,000 uh, followers of Jesus engage these resources, you know, and, and use these. And so uh, typically people will use the prayer and fasting book, Revival Starts Here. They'll use that to get ready for a fast. And so a lot of times we'll tell people, hey, read this before you jump into your season of prayer and fasting. And so that's how some uh, use that as kind of a, a way to prepare for the fast. And then Revival Start or um, Jesus Next Door is a 30-day prayer guide that a lot of folks use as they're going through the fast. And so it's, just, it's really just a daily devotional that helps you fix your eyes on Jesus, to think about the people that God has put in your life all around you, um, and then to pray for them uh, with great purpose and intentionality. And so Revival Starts Here is a resource to help you get ready for the fast. And Jesus Next Door is something that helps you stay focused as you fast. Because we found both what you do before a fast and what you're doing during the fast is really, really important. And so what we've done is we've literally given these resources out. Like when our church prays and fast, we give every person in our church these resources. You know, when we helped uh, people all across our city, you know, our uh, our church, you know, we, we purchased them and gave them out, you know, for free to people uh, to help people praying fast. We got a lot of great feedback. And so it's happened not just here in Nashville, but now, like you mentioned, we see it happening um, all over the world. You know, this month we have it uh, launching in three different places and, and we continue to see these things popping up, which has been uh, these uh, movements of prayer and fasting popping up, which has been really exciting. And Dave, I did want to mention to people too, um, it's not just revival starts here in Jesus next door, but one of the things that people will use effectively and that Dave and, and Awaken Nashville have used is the love your neighbor journal. And this is basically like a little, a little 32 page journal that helps you process how to love people where you live, work and play. And so what works really well is to really package these three together. And it's like before the fast, during the fast, and then 
the Love Your Neighbor Journal is, is also during the fast as well. So they, those, I guess you could call them, they pair well together. <laughs> um, you know, if it works with wine, I guess it works with prayer and fasting too, right? <laughs> so uh, I think it's just important to, to think through, okay, you need the inspiration, the vision, the how-to, but then the Jesus Next Door book in particular has been really helpful for a lot of churches during the fast because it's like you start out and you're excited, but having something very simple and the Jesus Next Door book is super simple. It's, it's just three or four pages per day. And these are small pages um, that include, you know, an actual prayer and questions for you. It's really just a devotional. Um, it sustains people for the long haul. It kind of keeps you coming back and it's story-based and, um, and the goal is to push you outward as you pray and fast for other people. And so, yeah, because, you know, one of the things that we were passionate about uh, when it comes to prayer and fasting is, you know, we believe that in seasons of prayer and fasting, we draw close to God and God draws near to us. You know, that, that you see that happen, that there's this, there's this stirring up of intimacy between us and God. And what I, what I wholeheartedly believe is that as we draw near to Jesus, then all of a sudden the things that are on Jesus's heart begin to, to grow stronger on our hearts as well. We begin to love what he loves, love who he loves. And so our season of prayer and fasting, uh, you know, over the last five years, our church, we, we tithe our year in prayer and fasting. We give 10% of our church's year to corporate prayer and fasting together. And the focus of those times, um, uh, you know, we focus on God and then we turn our prayers uh, toward those around us who we love, who don't yet love and follow Jesus. And so um, we really believe you can pray people into the kingdom of God. And so um, uh, when, when we were putting together even that prayer resource and the, the, the Love Your Neighbor Journal and Jesus Next Door, it was really designed to say, hey, how do we uh, focus our prayers collectively as a church body on the people that God has already put around us, uh, where we live, where we work, where we play, and how do we pray into that over the long haul with real intentionality? Well, and Dave, I think one of the things that kind of comes up, you know, you were talking about, should we even do a book? And as a pastor, do I need to do a book? And it's like, I don't really want to. I think one of the questions that will come to people's minds, especially if you are a, a preacher or, you know, maybe an elder at your church or someone who impacts Sunday morning and, and what happens there is you, you might say, well, we just need sermons. Obviously, this sermon, I think, is the primary way to connect with your people. Um, so maybe talk about that as a pastor. Why didn't sermons alone do it for you? And maybe how do you, how does a sermon and and resources go together? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I obviously believe in sermons. I give them. I listen to them. I've been shaped greatly by them, uh, but I don't think they are even close to being enough for the holistic formation of our people. And I don't think resources are enough either. I think you need a lot of things to form our people, um, but. But I, I believe when we're trying to bring about holistic discipleship um, as leaders, we have to be willing to use uh, as many different tools as we need to, to bring about the, um, the formation of Jesus in the lives of, of people that are around us. And of course, this happens relationally. This happens life on life. This happens in so many ways. But uh, we found whenever you can, whenever you can preach something from the pulpit and then put something in people's hands that help them walk that out over the next seven days until you see them again, um, the, the um, trajectory of growth is so much more significant. Um, so when, when you have a sermon and then you have a resource, and then if you really want to see it grow, put them in a community where people are engaging and living that out in real time together, then you really see um, that happen. And so 
that's really what we try to do in these seasons where, you, you know, we'll preach, we'll put resources in their hands, and then we'll put people in communities where they're practicing these things. They're living these things out together. And so I think especially with something like prayer and fasting, when you start doing it in community, man, things really, um, really happen. And uh, it's really helpful. Well, as we sort of end this first part of the webinar, I just wanted to make sure if you've got questions going through your mind, if you're thinking of questions as we're talking, go ahead and write those down and you can put them in the Q&A box. At the bottom of your screen, there's a little Q&A chat box and you can go ahead and write those and we'll come back to those here in about 10, 15 minutes and that'll be the rest of our time together. So make sure and go ahead and start writing those and sending, sending them our way. This is a great opportunity to talk to Dave um, and just, it's like, okay, how do I do this personally? How do I do it with my family? How do I do it with my leaders? How do I do it with my church? How do I engage other churches or maybe not engage all the churches? You know, all the different kinds of questions you might have about what this looks like. I think this is a really good opportunity for you. Ask away, um, go ahead and put those in the chat box, the Q&A chat box, and we'll get to those toward the end. Um, Dave, I wanted to ask, you know, the end goal is not just to get people more knowledgeable or more um, more sort of inspired, but at the end of the day, we want to equip people to know God and engage God through prayer and fasting. Obviously, there's many more disciplines and many more <laughs> aspects to our life with God, but that's kind of our focus right now. So what practical difference does it make? Like, what real difference does it make when you equip people with resources as opposed to just sermons or just sort of saying, you know, go do it? Yeah. Well, I mean, and I mentioned this earlier, you know, but the, I think the practical side of it is when, when somebody has a desire to do something and then they are given the tools they need to help them do that, um, their ability to live into it, just, it, it grows exponentially. I mean, that's true in every area of life. And so when we're thinking about how do we form our people, how do we make disciples? How do we, how do we help them get into the presence of God in a way that will transform their life? Um, we want to take very seriously that call, that task. And so, and so that's why, uh, that's why we uh, put together resources. That's why we use other people's resources. I mean, uh, you know, we, we really believe uh, that something significant happens there. And I, I remember years ago, when I was in high school, I had an awesome youth pastor. He, he would get up and he would talk to us a lot about evangelism and how we needed to do it and um, how we should do it. And, and man, we agreed with them. We wanted to do it. We knew we needed to do it. The reality is we didn't know how to do it. And a, a, a lot of us, a lot of us kind of got caught in this cycle where, you know, we'd show up and, and, you know, we knew we should be evangelistic. That's kind of the first phase. The second phase though was, we didn't know how to be evangelistic. <laughs> and so, you know, then there would be this third space where because we didn't know how to do it, we were scared to try it. And so what would end up happening was we would, we would not try it. And so then we just show back up, you know, we knew we should, but we didn't know how we were scared to death. And so we wouldn't do it. And we just end, end up in this cycle. And, uh, you know, we called it the evangelism guilt cycle, you know, where, where you show up and you get another sermon on it. Uh, but I found that to be so true in, in every area of, of life with God. There's a lot of things that we go, man, um, man, we, we know we should be praying more. We know we should be um, seeking God. We don't always know how to do that. So sometimes we get scared to try it. So we don't try it. And then we end up just in this, 
cycle. And, th- and that's why I think resources um, and, and a whole variety of other things can be helpful for breaking us uh, through that. And so that's our goal, just simple stuff to help ordinary people meet God in extraordinary ways. Yeah, and it was funny, um, Dave, I even, I had a similar sort of experience where I didn't necessarily want to start a publishing company. So him Publications started, you know, about three years ago. And I was like, you know, should we write anything? Shouldn't it all just be relationships and talking and grassroots? And I had this moment where I realized, okay, books are not just sort of a modern invention. It's, in fact, it's not even just an ancient thing. Like God wrote the Bible. (laughs) Books are important to God. He like wrote one, the most important one in history. And I just thought it actually impacted me when I framed resources in terms of God's heart. It's like, if he just wanted it to be the prophets and the priests and the kings and then the Messiah, like obviously the the word, the Bible is about Jesus. It's about those and it's about God's heart. But there's something about codifying and, and solidifying what we believe and what we think. Um, and obviously any resources we produce aren't on par with the Bible, but it just shows God's heart for the the power of the written word. And I think that's really interesting um, as we think about, okay, What's God's heart in all this? What has God used? What is he using and what will he continue to use? And I just think, man, um, let's do everything we can. Like you said, I think that, that was great. And, and adding on top of not just the sermons and the spoken word, not just resources, but the community. A lot of this stuff, a lot of these initiatives are worked out iron sharpening iron in community and experimentation. I think that that's one of the most difficult things for us to grasp. It's like, well, if we're going to try it, like you were saying, Dave, we feel like we should do something, but we don't know what to do and we're afraid to do it, you know, but if we step out there, there's so much grace in all this. You don't have to fast perfectly. I was just talking with a leader who's equipping his whole church um, just outside of Austin, Texas, you know, 400 plus people with Revival Starts Here. And he's like, I love the subtitle of the book. It's um, a short conversation on prayer and fasting for beginners like me. He's like, I'm a beginner too, man. Mm-hmm. And he goes, if someone wants to, you know, fast and, and, uh, and then they look over and there's a piece of chocolate cake and they, so they try fasting and then they try the cake. It's like, you know what? God's not, he said, God's not going to zap you. <laughs> I love that. It, as we make this journey, it's like, man, I didn't realize I was so weak at fasting. I didn't know I couldn't, pray longer than 15 minutes. It's like, it, there's grace in that. It's okay to like try it and not do well and then try it again. And maybe, you know, you get to know God and all that, but also in community, you let people encourage you. And it's like, wow, Hey, I struggle with this. And then you hear someone else's story and they're like, well, well, maybe you try this and this worked for me. And then as a community, you grow together. And that's really the body of Christ at work. So I just wanted to share that and say thank you, Dave, for kind of giving us the bigger vision for for the, not just the role of resources, but just the role of the church as a whole. Um, and speaking of which, I just wanted to share a story as we move toward the end here of, of the first part of the webinar. I just wanted to share a story of a church who used this kind of on a broad scale in Texas. It's called the Branch Church, and um, they're in that Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they they ordered both revival starts here. Actually, they ordered Jesus next door for their whole church. And uh, this was, (laughs) this was earlier this year, 
2020, believe it or not. Um, in fact, they ordered them and they started their Jesus Next Door initiative, a huge churchwide campaign right before the pandemic hit. And it was just incredible because we used it just a month before or so this year. Can you believe it was just this year, Dave, that we did this? I literally can't believe it's still 2020. But they started and then the pandemic hit and everyone had to be in their homes. It was There were some lockdowns starting to happen already. And it was amazing. It was like the perfect storm. Um, Chris, uh, I think his name is uh, Chris Stedman. Is that right, Dave? Stedman. Chris Seedman, he said it was like the perfect storm. Um, it, it didn't squelch the movement of the spirit. In fact, it equipped people. And when they were kind of in lockdown, they started doing all these creative things because all they had were their neighbors. They couldn't really go out much. And they didn't even go necessarily inside each other's homes, but they would leave um, a note on the door. They would run errands for people in their neighborhood, like older people who needed prescriptions picked up, but didn't want to get out of the home. And as they were praying for their neighbors, it was seriously just this great fit of asking the questions of God, like, who are, what do you want me to do? Who are my neighbors? And what, what can we do as a church? And they've just got stories upon stories. But I wanted to ask you, Dave, um, just as you've interacted with hundreds of churches, maybe not all of them directly, but as you and your team have interacted with them, Maybe give me a story for how God's used uh, Revival Starts Here and Jesus Next Door um, just to make an impact and real life change. Because the bottom line uh, of success here is is life change. So tell me a couple stories. Yeah, I mean, we've just been surprised by the simplicity of it. And, and it's it's really, I don't want to overstate it, just the simplicity of what happens when you help people pray more intentionally. When people set aside time to get in the presence of God uh, and when they're in his presence to talk with God, not just about, you know, the burdens of their heart, which it's great to share those things with God, but to get in the presence of God and to talk with the things that are uh, a burden on God's heart. And that is the people around you who, who don't yet know Jesus. And when, when you help people do that, you cannot help but see things um, un- unfold all around you. Uh, as you're talking, Chad, I was reminded of the moment where, where Jesus you know, he, he tells Nathaniel, he said, hey, I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree. And, you know, Nathaniel's so surprised by that. Uh, you know, this, this idea that he, he was seen. And I think in, in something that happens in these moments of prayer and fasting, and that's happened with these resources even, is people get into the presence of God and feel seen by God. But then all of a sudden, God helps them to begin seeing the people around them the way that he sees them. And you know, I mean, we, we, we have so many stories of uh, people coming to faith in Jesus, uh, of, of people seeing things happen in their neighborhoods and their churches. You know, I could, I could tell you a lot of stories uh, about that. But it, it's amazing to me just the simplicity of what happens when a church gets serious about talking with and listening to God in places of prayer and fasting on behalf of the people that are around them. And so, uh, you know, we've had lots of leaders that have uh, reached out, almost surprised, going, I mean, it was, it was really simple, but look, look at what's happened and, and how it's happened. And I go, yeah, that's, that's kind of the way that it works. You know, when we prioritize uh, time in the presence of God, things begin to shift. And so, um, you know, ultimately for us, you know, the, the resources, um, we, hope, we hope the resources are just a first step toward a much more significant thing. And that is, that is a deeper friendship with God. And so, you know, even in our context, we hope people don't come out of the month talking about the resources. We hope they come out talking about what happened with God 
and that the resources in and of themselves almost become forgettable, you know, because they're just a they're just a tool. Nobody talks about the hammer that's used to build the house. They look at the house and go, whoa, it's a stunning house. You don't walk in somebody's house and go, wow, what kind of hammer was used here? You know, um, uh, for us, that, that's what the resources are. They're just a, a simple tool that's used to help people get to the to the real thing. And that is friendship with God. And so we, we've seen that. We've seen uh, the love for God and the love for people just just grow exponentially in our church uh, over the last five or six years that we've been doing this. We've seen this with hundreds of churches across not just the States, but across the globe. We have prayer movements now that are popping up in countries all across the world where people are just committing to praying and fasting together. And uh, so it's been really exciting. Well, Dave, that's, that's exciting. We're about to move into um, question and answer. And so I just wanted to remind you guys, we've already got some questions coming in, but go ahead and put your questions in the Q&A box. And then I just sort of wanted to cast a vision again for what next steps you guys can take. Um, Again, there's so many other things you can do. We want to give you one way, one sort of process for moving forward with practical resources. And so we've partnered together with Awaken, which Dave helps lead and Um, this link, by the way, is in the chat box. So you can click on that and find this page in the chat box of this webinar. Um, But a really easy thing to do is you can download the free sampler for all three of these and just, you can flip through them. They're real quick. And then, you know, get the book. I encourage you to go ahead. If you have not experienced these resources or read them, read them for yourself before. I know Dave that you had any pastors who wanted their church to go through it, you made sure they had the chance to read it first. I know it's almost like, of course, but we just want to emphasize that. Allow God to form your heart and form a plan before the Lord. And then um, then buy them or, or get them for your leaders. Um, you want your leadership on board before you sort of charge, <laughs> you know, and, and take the hill. You need to, uh, and maybe the first year, maybe the first season, um, it's just you and the leadership team. You know, I think one of the mistakes that you can make is jumping into it without buy-in from your core team first. And the opposite is true. So if that's a danger, the opposite is true is it's powerful if you can get everyone on board together where it's not just you. Um, and then there's opportunities, there's discounts. Um, with a membership, um, you, you can get you know, up to 50% off. So this makes it equitable for you to buy for your whole church. And so all this is right here on this page. Um, and then, you know, you can kind of make your plan. And uh, I just wanted to sort of cast that vision so you could walk away with like, okay, this is what I can actually do. These are some steps. And then um, one of the things we'll get into during the Q&A based on questions I've already seen is sort of, okay, that's me, that's my leaders, that's my church. But now what about other churches? So um, let's just go ahead and jump in. Dave, did you want to add anything else before the Q&A? Okay. Um, someone asked if this recording will be available afterwards. Um, the answer is yes, we'll make this available afterwards so you can share it with your uh, leadership team. And then um, Barry asked the question, I believe you mentioned... Dave, that this started five years ago with you. How long did it take to engage the majority of your members? That's a good question. So we'll answer that now. Yeah. So, you know, my personal journey uh, really with this begun about six or six and a half years ago. 
Um, but we began engaging our, our church on a large level about five years ago. And, uh, you know, that, w- that was where we began to feel the tension because Sydney and I, that's my wife, we, we had begun living into this on a personal level. We started leaning into this with our team. Um, but then we, we rolled it into our church and we didn't really have a good way to equip our church as we did that. So that's been um, about five years since we engaged our, our full church. And, uh, and now we're, we're still living into that. And so we, as a church, we fast uh, the month of February together every year of 30 days. Um, we typically fast in uh, sometime in the fall, whether it's in August or September for 21 days. And then we fast the first Wednesday of every month. Uh, and then we have some special seasons of prayer and fasting. So we just did a, a week of prayer and fasting uh, a couple of weeks ago. So um, it's really just become a part of our DNA now. But uh, that started about five years ago with our full church. Okay. And then we have another question. How do you get other churches involved? There's a small question for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for us, it re- we really felt like it was a mandate from God. And so we weren't just sitting around going, hey, we should get some other people to do this. Uh, that's probably a longer story for another day, but we really felt like God had, had uh, charged us specifically um, to pray for every person in the city of Nashville by name for 30 straight days. And so there's a lot of people in, in the city. And as a part of what we sense God inviting us to do, um, we, we knew we had to invite other churches in on it. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if this is a, a kind of a, a cheat when I answer this question. I don't know if this is a good answer or not, but I think the way that we got churches involved was that God went before us. He stirred it up in us and then he just kind of made it happen. You know, um, we went and talked with a lot of people. There's some real practical sides to that because we've now helped lots and lots of other people get churches involved. And so on the practical side of that is I think the leader has to have a conviction um, that the body of Christ is stronger when we're together than when we're apart. So one, I think the leader has to have a conviction uh, number two, I think the leader has to have a plan. And so for us, that plan was, hey, we're going to call churches together. Uh, we're going to tell them when we're going to do this. We're going to tell them how we're going to do this. And then we're going to fund it. So there's no barriers. And so like in our case, you know, we and a lot of other people have done this differently, but we called pastors together and said, hey, if you will mobilize your people, we will help you resource them. Uh, it won't cost you a penny. Let's just do this together. And so we had a conviction. We had a plan. And, and then uh, we really set up some rhythms for how we uh, started walking with those leaders together. And so, uh, you know, we started praying together as leaders um, at least once a month. Uh, we've been doing that now for a couple of years. We pray together uh, every month. Uh, we get together for fellowship meals to, to pray together. We, we've built relationships and we've just kept, we've kept um, uh, leaning into that. But honestly, when we started this citywide prayer and fasting, we didn't have that relational network beforehand. And so a lot of people come to us and they say, Hey, did you have a network that you just brought this idea to? Uh, for us, that wasn't the case. And we felt like God brought an idea to us and then he built the network around it. And now we're trying to strengthen and serve that body um, uh, of leaders together now. But uh, for a lot of people, it happens differently, you know, so they have a network, they have a group of churches. And, and so I just say, work a plan, uh, decide when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it decide how you're going to resource people as they do it and then just go after it. Dave, Brad is asking what impact has prayer and fasting had in your church during the pandemic? Um, I don't know if you're able to answer that, but if you can, he also asked, have you found any best practices in navigating the call to pray and fast within the season of isolation? 
Yeah. You know, so I think prayer and fasting is really hard in general, but it's even harder when you feel, or it's more difficult when you feel like you're alone. And so I think it's one of the challenges we felt in this season is when people are, are isolated, um, uh, something like prayer and fasting can feel more challenging. So one of the things that we've done, it's been, in fact, today is the first Wednesday of the month. And so it's the day that our church is praying and fasting uh, together this month. And on those days, you know, we have times where we come together for prayer. And so uh, we come together over lunch break. And so uh, before the pandemic, this is something we do in person, but now we do it uh, on Zoom and uh, uh, on, you know, kind of uh, through various um, uh, platforms we use to connect uh, with each other. So what we found is in the pandemic, it's actually been a very um, centering reality. It's been a rhythm that we've kept living into. And uh, we found that really helpful. All right. And we've got Michael. He said, how important are small groups during the prayer and fasting schedule timeframe? Yeah. You know, in some ways I I have felt uh, the small groups are maybe the most important aspect uh, in some ways, because it's in that smaller circle, you know, so with our small groups, when we enter into a season of prayer and fasting, we encourage them to within their group kind of share, Hey, here's, here's what we're praying for during the fast and here's how we're going to fast together. And here's how we can encourage each other. And that smaller relational um, framework is so key when you go through a season like this. And, and so we found that to be really important. And so we try to leverage our small groups and smaller communities um, in every season of prayer and fasting, very tangibly, very practically as, as really kind of support groups and prayer groups and worship groups throughout the time. Dave, um, Paul is asking, um, Dave, can you share on a personal level, he says, why a, quote, successful pastor like you felt the necessity to pray and fast and the impact it had on you? He said, when you've shared this before, it's, it's touched him. A <laughs> successful pastor. I know. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I, you know, that's not. <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> I think one of the things uh, that really hit me several years ago was, just my inadequacy to bring about any, I can't bring about change um, on my own. And I can't bring about any great change in any person's heart. Like I can't do it. Like God's got to do it. Like God, God has to change the heart. God has to draw the heart. God has to, uh, God has to move in the life of a person. And what I started realizing was I love strategy. Um, I I love plans and vision. Uh, I, I believe in those things. And I give myself, um, wholeheartedly to those kinds of things. But what I've begun to realize is at the end of the day, um, a strategy doesn't change the human heart. You know, a great plan doesn't change the human heart. But, you know, inspirational sermons don't change the human heart. It is the work of God that changes the human heart. And, and for us, uh, we realize, man, uh, prayer and fasting has got to become uh, the way that we become, like as leaders, more dependent. We become more dependent on on God to move than we are on our ability to make something happen. And so that's why we started giving so much uh, attention uh, to this was going, Hey, um, God, we need you. We want you. We're acknowledging that, you know, and, and even before we were praying and fasting, we started doing this really simply as a church where a couple of times a year, we'd have everyone in our church write down the names of someone in their life. It could be one person. It could be five people, but write down the names of people that you love who don't yet trust and follow Jesus. Like, like who are, who are those people? And they'd write them on a card and we would literally collect those cards at the end of our Sunday gatherings. We'd put them in these, 
in these baskets. And for the next several months, we'd have prayer teams that would just pray over every name. Just, just pray, God, God, would you move? Would you soften their heart? Would you draw them to yourself? It's amazing how many of those people come to Jesus, you know, and, and that was one of the things that began to stoke our heart even more for prayer and fasting was, man, when, when, uh, when we get into those secret places and we talk with God, God would touch us. He would change our hearts, but then we'd begin to watch him move in the hearts of people around us. And that would be fuel on the fire that would push us back into the prayer closet. And so, uh, you know, that's really for us, we went, man, we can't, I mean, we can do ministry. We can, we can do things, but we can't change anybody's heart without God's help. And so prayer was just the place where that began to come together for us. Dave, those are the questions we have right now. I've got a question for you. I wanted to pitch one your way. So, you know, the last two years during January, February, you have worked with so many leaders to rally churches together and do something unified as a city. But for next year, 2021, what's on, what's on the the docket? What are you guys going to do? And why maybe? (laughs) Yeah, you know, our, our church, we're going to continue to lean into our rhythms of prayer and fasting. So that's what we're going to do in 2021. And so, in fact, I was meeting with the team today about what we're doing at the beginning of the year and how we're doing it. And, and so we're going to continue to just go all in um, uh, with this as a team. Uh, what we've really sensed coming into 2021 is this, this is a year for us to really focus on strengthening and serving the leaders. Um, so God has brought over the last couple of years thousands of leaders uh, into our, not into our um, church, but they, they've, God's brought these leaders into relationship with us. Amazing men and women that love Jesus, that are serving the church. And over the last couple of years, we've helped them empower their people for prayer and fasting. But we've, we've really sensed God saying, hey, this is the year to pour into them, to strengthen them, to bless them, to pray for them, uh, because it's been a tough year uh, for ministry for a lot of them. And, and, and so we, we've sensed a real call from God to focus our energy uh, within our church. We're going to continue to pray and fast towards what God is doing in the, in the city, in the nation, in the, in the nations. Then we're going to really focus on leaders, number two. And then number three, we're trying to pour some real uh, fuel on the fire of these, these prayer movements that are popping up all over the world. And so we've got, we've got prayer calls, um, prayer meetings that are happening right now in eight or nine countries. We have uh, a bunch of countries that are coming on in January um, uh, where people are coming together to pray and fast. And we're going, hey, how do we just serve? And then uh, kind of fourth, uh, churches that are coming to us from all over the place that are eager to start this journey for the first time. We're going, hey, how can we serve them? So that's what we're going to do in 2021. Our church is going to keep praying and fasting here in the city. We're going to serve and bless and pour into leaders globally. We're going to keep pouring fuel on that fire. And then we're going to hopefully help lots of churches that want to take steps of prayer and fasting for the first time. Dave, that's awesome. And I love the fact that, you know, it's like, I remember when we were ending, you know, the Awaken Nashville 2020 earlier this year, you know, in February, and you said, it's like, this has been great. It's like been amazing what God has done. And it really, it really was, it was, it was remarkable. It was like, wow. And kind of the big question was, well, what are we going to do next year? You know, and sort of the assumption might be, well, we're going to do the same thing. It'll just keep growing and growing and growing. And I just appreciate your heart, man. And I I hope that that's inspiring to those people watching uh, leaders to kind of say, you know what? It can't, we've got to change. We've got to adapt. And, you know, to have the humility to say, 
we did it once. We actually did it twice. And then as a church, you've done it more than that. But every year needs to be, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do now? What do you want us to do now? I love that vision in Ezekiel chapter one of the angels. You know, it's this kind of apocalyptic sort of like psychedelic vision of these angels, right? Who are following the spirit of God. And it says that they had, they were basically standing on like uh, wheels that had an intersecting wheel. And it was like, and it says, and the wheels were awesome, you know, it was like, and, but what I love about it is the description of their interactions with the Lord. It said, when the spirit moved up, they moved up and down and across. And it's that moving on a dime with the spirit of the Lord. I think that's huge. And as we grow in prayer and fasting, you know, I think we, we almost get attuned to the spirit where our pivots can actually be even quicker. And it's like, wow, I didn't see that coming, but you learn to recognize the movements of the spirit of God. And, and so I just appreciate that even as a leader, you're not, you're not sort of um, too quick to make plans uh, for yourself, for your church, even, you know, with the people you influence in the city, but you're saying, no, 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 let's all listen to the Lord. And every day is fresh. Every year is fresh. So thank you for being humble like that. And just saying, Lord, this is your thing, not my thing. Um, and so I've, I just got another question from Mike. So um, let me, let me ask that question. Um, he said, and I haven't read this. So how did your church help? Uh, how did you help your church overcome the excuses against fasting? Those with health concerns, etc. And then he said, do some of your people um, do fasting that is not food? So maybe TV, social media, or do you keep it as a food fast? And do you encourage not eating for the full 28 days or, you know, 30 days or however many days? And do you encourage people to start on a lesser fast? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we found to be just really important is meeting people exactly where they are and then helping them take their next step with Jesus, you know? And so the goal is not for us to, to, to create these super fasters, you know, these people that are, you know, like uh, they can, they, they can fast longer than anybody else, better than anybody else. Our, our goal is just to help people really humbly come into the presence of God and say, Hey God, um, how can I meet you more deeply in the season that I'm in? And so, uh, you know, for that looks really different. We try to give our people permission to, to be really okay with just taking their next step and, and not comparing that to their spouse or to their children or to their small group or their friends. And so we really try to work against that work of comparison. And the way we work against the work, uh, that trap of comparison is we do the work of celebration. So we celebrate every kind of step. We celebrate when people take their first step uh, of, of praying and fasting. And, it's, and it may, it maybe it feels relatively small when it's lined up to the per- person next to them, but we try to celebrate that really well. And so, yeah, we do um, all kinds of fasts. We have some people that will do like a soul fast. That's the language we use for non-food fasting, where maybe they're fasting from social media or from television or, you know, from their spouse. I'm kidding. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're, maybe they're fasting, you know, from something other than food. We call that a soul fast. And then a lot of people start with a partial fast. You know, maybe they'll fast from one meal a day for 30 days, or they'll fast, uh, you know, um, for a couple of meals a day, or maybe they fast one day a week. 
um, you know, people do it in different ways. What, what we tell them is, or what we invite them to do is we want you to pray every single day with us. So however long the fast uh, is going to last, we say, we want you to pray with us every day. And we want you to also choose how you're going to fast throughout this time of prayer and fasting. And so for some, it has a daily component. Um, uh, and there's a whole lot of different ways. And then we have people that uh, do full fast uh, for extended periods of time as well. Uh, you know, but uh, I, I guess one word of encouragement that I would say is, is we try to just be really open-handed and gentle with it. And anywhere that somebody has a concern, we try to engage them. And if it's a health concern, we always tell them, hey, consult with your doctors. Um, use wisdom. You know, so we're, we're not trying to push this on anybody, but trying to invite them into an opportunity. Dave, this has been good, man. I really appreciate you spending time uh, talking with me and, and leaders around the country and, and, and even um, around the world who are on with us live right now. And for those who are listening, but you want to share this with others, it will be made available so you can share it kind of after it's finished. We'll send out a link to you. Um, but we also just want to say that we have other resources. So at Him Publications, every week we release a blog. Um, you know, it might be an excerpt from a book, but these are long form kind of value based blogs. And so we just want to pour out and equip you, especially leaders in the church. Our goal is to help you find the next right discipleship resource for your church. And one of the things I thought about, Dave, just to mention, uh, and this isn't necessarily with regard to prayer or fasting, but one of the books that we just came out with this year is by Brandon Gindin, and it's called Disciple Making Culture. And this gets into kind of the community side of what you talked about. Um, but I just wanted to say it's like, OK, it's like 2020. I think you're, you're you know, as you've been talking with leaders, it's like you're almost like bracing, like, OK, let's survive. Let's hang on. Um and, and, you know, rightly so. It's like, we don't know what we're doing. It's almost like every Sunday you're kind of making up the next thing. It's like, now, how do we do Facebook Live? And should we do YouTube Live? And every, I mean, it's just like, you know, everyone's, you know, kind of ground zero with regard to reaching people and contextualizing, you know, our services. But, you know, as we think about prayer and fasting, um, I think what we're also kind of asking as leaders is of different you know, types is how do I cultivate a culture at my church? Not just here's an initiative, not just here's a cool thing we do at the top of the year, but how do we become the kind of people who do this? Um, and so a lot of this is training. And so in other words, I think when we do prayer initiatives, when we do a month of prayer, 21 days or whatever it might be, it's, it's not just let's do this and then it's done. It's let's equip our people to become different kinds of people. And then as a culture, this starts spreading not only within our church, but within our families and generations and other churches we know. And then, so in other words, what I'm saying is I think now is the time for us to double down on some of these kind of micro disciplines of our communities and say, this isn't a time to sort of give up and quit. I think we can actually press into these things and say, no, this is the very time we need to get on our knees. This is the very time we need to start um, new things with fresh vision and inspiration. So um, I'll leave you with the final word, Dave, and then we'll, we'll close it down unless we have another question here. Yeah, I'll just, I mean, tag on to what you just said. I think 
if you just do a campaign, it doesn't, it doesn't make a huge difference. Like if you just do a prayer and fasting campaign or an evangelism campaign, if that's all you do, eventually it will, it won't shape the culture. But if you will use those campaigns to help build culture, um, it'll go a long way. And so if there's anything I can do to serve any of you, if there's anything we can do uh, to bless your church, your team, um, we'd love to do that. You can find us at awakennashville.com. Uh, and we'd, we'd love to serve you. Dave, we've got a couple more questions here. If, if we've got a few minutes left, um, how do you keep people engaged with each other for support while doing the 30 day fast? I think we sort of touched on this, but if you want to hit on that again. Yeah, we, we use a variety of things. And so uh, we send out, uh, you know, the resources themselves are part of the way we keep them engaged on a personal level. You know, it's something we're going through together. Uh, but the way we begin to connect them across the community, you know, people, we have people in small groups doing it together. Um, we use technology, uh, things like social media to share stories and uh, to, to keep people connected. Um, we use a variety of platforms to do that. And then throughout the month of prayer and fasting, we will have uh, opportunities for people to come together and to actually pray together. So, so last year um, we did 30 straight um, days of 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, prayer. And so one of the ways we kept people connected through the 30 day fast was we had people, we had an opportunity for people to come and pray in our prayer room for 30 straight days, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, uh, the, the season of prayer and fasting we just had a few weeks ago, we didn't do 24 seven prayer, but we did nightly prayer where everybody could come and, and, and pray together from seven to 9 PM at night. So we've, we've done different things, but we try to use resources. We try to use technology and then we try to use in-person opportunities for people to come together all while doing that um, through and with uh, our small groups. And Dave, uh, we'll do one last question here and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Paul said, I think I may have missed this. So he said for your February citywide with other churches, the ones that you've done in the past, um, he said, I guess it's, um, we didn't address this. He says, are you going to live stream it or meet personally? In other words, uh, maybe a hypothetical, if, if there was a citywide um, kind of initiative, and I'm not sure that there is, but maybe speak into that if you can. Uh, so he's asking about the future or the past. Can you clarify that? <laughs> um, are you going to live stream it? So yeah, that'd be kind of a hypothetical in the future. Yeah, the stuff, the stuff we'll do in the future, our plan, um, whenever the venue allows, is to live stream it, to share it. Uh, a lot of the stuff we've done in the past years because of the venues we were in, they're historic. You know, we use the Ryman Auditorium, which is a classic historical uh, venue here in the city. And you can't live stream anything out of there unless you pay a lot of money. And we didn't have, we literally just did not have the money to, to be able to buy the rights to live stream from there because it's such a historic uh, place. But anytime we're in a space um, that we're allowed to do that, um, we certainly will and have, have done that. Uh, we, we love we love letting folks from all over be a part of it. That's awesome. Well, hey, everybody, I just want to say thank you. And just to make it clear, this is the book that we've used in Nashville for the last couple of years. And then um, and this one basically is a primer. Revival starts here. It starts with prayer and fasting. Historically, that's true. And it's real short. You can read it in about an hour and a half. Uh, great primer on getting your church to pray and fast together. And then kind of back to that question, how do you sustain people through, you know, 30 days, say, or however many days? This is a prayer guided devotional 
to keep you going as a church through that Jesus next door. And then the love your neighbor journal. Um, again, these are small, they're great and, and handy. The love your neighbor journal is basically a way to help people process through writing um, and journaling um, real short kind of questions and prompts to say, how can I love people like Jesus wants me to where I live, work and play. So, and all those again are available um, through himpublications.com. The link is in the chat box and we'll send you a link as well. Dave, anything else? I'm good. Thank you. Honored to be with you. Yeah. Thanks everybody. And we'll talk to you later.